This is a podcast for the creative misfits, the right brain, rogue, or rebellious creatives who don't want to do work and life the way we've been told we have to. It's for anyone who has felt a sense of dissatisfaction with their career or with corporate BS. It's for anyone who has struggled and wanted to find greater purpose, to experience more authenticity, creativity, freedom, and satisfaction in how they live and work. Let's build a new way of doing things. Welcome to the Creative Misfits Club podcast. This is episode 16. I'm Jessica. Today's episode is called A Recipe for Creative Happiness. So it's story day. I'm going to read you a little story today. It's one page from a book that I got for Christmas by a woman named Jamie Beck. And the book is called An American in Provence. If you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you might have heard me mention Jamie. She is one of a couple of, I guess I would say, inspirations of mine, expanders, you might call them. Women who I really look to, look up to. It's not that they're doing what I want to do because Jamie's a photographer and I'm not a photographer. But there's something about the creative life that they're living and the work that they're doing that in some way feels like it resonates with me. It's like the notes in the chord of their authentic expression or their, their expressing their essence are maybe similar to mine. So Jamie is a professional photographer living in France. Um, she used to live in New York City. She used to have a very successful photography career in New York City. But as I'll describe, she made a rather dramatic life shift and moved to Provence. And her book called An American in Provence. It's like one part's photography book, one part memoir. It's also sprinkled with these amazing recipes from Provence and photography of the recipes. It's a really visually stunning book, but her words and her story in it are also like really incredibly powerful. So I got the book as a gift and I opened it to this page called A Feeling. And what she wrote here, which is describing kind of her creative process and how she works, it just hit me right between the eyes. It felt like hearing a very successful creative artist describe her creative process and it feeling like uncannily similar to mine. So Jamie talks in the book about her life as a photographer in New York City and how outwardly she was really successful, but she was actually really unhappy and unfulfilled inside. And she did this sort of like dramatic leap off a cliff decision to go and spend a year living in Provence. And that one year for her has turned into a life that she's built there um, with her husband and now her daughter. And her life, if you follow her work, it's a very beautiful, artistic, creative life. Um, It's also very unconventional and quite slow, like a slow life compared to the life she had and compared to what most of us are living. And I just wanted to read a little bit from her story here because I think it might really resonate with other creatives and inspire other creative misfits. So she's talking about her process of photography. She says, conveying feeling in a photograph is the mark of a successful image. To cause an emotional reaction in another human through visual communication is, to me, the purpose of creating art. So of course she's talking about photography and visual art, but you could replace any of this with 
any kind of creative making. She says, my life is navigated mainly by emotion. It's how I ended up in France, after all. Feelings dictate how I work and when I work. If my goal is to capture an emotion, I must first start out defining that feeling from within. If it's not there, I have to wait until I feel it to create it. What stirs emotion one day and not the next? Inspiration. When you are constantly in a state of observation, inspiration can come at any moment. The way the light moves off a cafe table, the hand gesture found in a painting, early morning fog on the newly leafed vineyards, the lyrics of a song. If you are not moved, then you must physically move yourself until you find it. The moment of inspiration can lead me to feel romantic, nostalgic, to experience love, sadness, hope, joy, whatever it is. And feeling that way brings me energy to create. There are days when the feeling is that of childlike excitement, a feeling that consumes me to the point of obsession, but there are also days I feel despair. I do not mask these darker feelings, but rather embrace the emotion and express it creatively. So she's talking about a couple of really amazing things here. I mean, one is obviously not everybody is as driven by feeling as perhaps she is, and I certainly am. But she is talking about inspiration and how we're how we get the energy and the inspiration to create things, whatever those things are, whether it's photography or any other kind of thing. And she's talking about a process of being able to absorb from the world around her, like being in a state of observation, being like a sponge. And everything that the sponge takes in is fodder for inspiration, which creates the energy for creation. I find that to be incredibly true in my life. Um, She's also talking about not running from the harder, darker, and despairing feelings, which is another real lesson that I've learned is that a lot of us are in resistance to feeling things that don't feel good. And actually, I think a fulfilling life and a life of growth and a life of creating actually involves embracing and fully feeling all those feelings, like letting them, learning how to dance with it and letting them sort of wash through you completely rather than pushing them away. I find that to be pretty magical, not just for art, but for life. So here's Jamie again. Even throughout my creative process, I go through waves of emotion. Working in one sitting can feel like falling in love over and over again. I keep a curated gallery of songs I feel I can emotionally dance to, helping me express without distracting my mind. The music spills out of my studio into the garden below and fills the echoey foyer of my building, keeping the light, my soul, and the subject matter threaded and alive. In the fog of music, I am transported to a different plane where no one can find me and distractions cease. Staying on track is vital. I must work alone. I must be able to go to that place of ideas where a photograph transcends into something more. I find this process not only produces something that can best be described as being birthed out of me, but is also therapeutic. I feel part of my job is to communicate in visual language the story of our shared lives, feeling into an image as much as I can for all of us. I mean, her words are so extraordinary. Like, it makes me teary reading them. And I've read them, like, multiple times now before recording this. First of all, she's talking about flow state, which, 
you know, is really not just for creating and creating art, but, you know, I mean, athletes talk about being in the zone and artists being in flow state. I mean, flow state, creating from flow state is like being so completely grounded in the present moment that you are just sort of, there's nothing but the present and you're sort of like splashing about in it and everything else kind of fades away and disappears. And when I can get to that, I do get to that place when I create from that place, it's just like a magical state of being. And she's, that's kind of what she's describing. She also, I mean, I know people are different. She's also describing how that for her means working alone. And I'm the same way. I really need all of the noise of other people in the exterior world to sort of fade away and drown out um, or fade back, fade away. And I know not everybody is like that. And it's, that's actually been kind of a hard thing about myself, I think, to really come to terms with and actually accept that I, my creative process and my creative making, which is a huge part of what I feel I'm here to do, I need to do it in a fairly solitary fashion. Jamie's words again. Whenever I start, I'm always anxious I won't be able to get to that place, but I am invigorated to try. It feels like opening the first page of a fairy tale, knowing you are about to embark on a journey with triumphs and failures and hopefully a magical ending. Many times I have wept when I finally captured the photograph, collapsed from the emotional toll the process has taken. At the moment when the composition is done, I know it in my gut, as if a voice from God says, stop. Suddenly, everything clicks into place, and the photographic subject is no longer mine, but has been born into a life of its own. I have found working in isolation to be one of the keys to feeling. Without anyone around to affect your energy or mood, there's no noise to drown out the most important voice, your gut. I had to learn to listen. My work didn't get good until I started paying attention to that inner voice. I walked, I looked, and listened. I began to follow and trust that voice. I learned how to take what it was saying outside back into the studio and give it a platform to speak. Trust your gut. When I reflect on my life, I see all the times I drowned out my gut with noise and distraction. I can see all the times it was tugging at me, begging for attention. If I had learned to listen sooner, I would have found myself with a feeling of assurance and belonging I have now. I approach listening to my gut as a meditative practice, and I see in my work failure when I ignore it. I see growth when I listen. Whew, I mean, <laughs> I just, it's, her words are so exceptional. Um, there are a couple of things for me that really strike me and that I really relate to. One is she's describing the creative process as it's like big, it's bigger than you. What happens when you're, when you're really sort of right <laughs> in the center of creating from your essence is that you just become a vessel. It's like something bigger than you is moving through you and it's the most extraordinary feeling. And she's describing that. And the other huge thing, I mean, her, the way she describes how she did not listen to her gut for so much of her life and then starting to do that more and more, the difference. I mean, I've had an experience that parallels that exactly in my life of really not listening to my gut for decades. Um, to, me, to me, the way I describe it is it feels like I'm the captain of a ship 
and I started out on the journey and the ship has its own internal navigation, but I was told not to use it. I would like, I was told that I couldn't trust it or something. And I was given all these maps and all these different devices and instruments to navigate. And it feels like for decades I've been navigating using this map or that map or somebody else's map or this instrument or that instrument. And the ship has just honestly been going around in circles. And at some point, fairly recently in my life, within the last several years, I just was like, fuck it. I am, I'm throwing out all of these maps, all of these navigational tools, and I'm using the innate navigation. And it's so, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to break a lifetime of not trusting that and start to do it and trust it. But Jamie is describing that exact experience. About listening to your gut and your internal navigation, she also says this, to use your gut is to free yourself from a lifetime of cultural influence, parental guidance, and educational practices, and begin the journey of discovering your own truth. When you find yourself on this path, you will discover the power of your own voice. It is a trust and bond that will set you up with a feeling of confidence beyond the art of making a photograph. In personal moments, I've had to listen to my gut in order to make life-transforming decisions. To marry that person, to buy that house, to have kids, to move, to leave, or to stay. It is not always easy listening to your gut. My gut knows living in France is the healthiest option for me, telling me to stay, to stay, to stay, month after month, despite an excruciating visa process and the fact that it breaks my heart to be away from family. It is my truth. And to ignore it would be denying myself that wonderful feeling of happiness. Honestly, it just has been so extraordinary for me to read Jamie's words here and throughout her book because they so uncannily mirror my own experience with my authentic creative making and expression. And I mean, what a gift to have somebody, an artist that you really admire, not just for her work, but for the life that she's built for herself, describe her recipe for creative happiness and to have it so closely mirror your own. I mean, it feels like being seen. It feels like being validated, like your true creative self validated, particularly the one that you had such a hard time trusting for so many years. (laughs) So thank you, Jamie. I'm sure she'll never hear this little podcast, but Her work is a real gift. Go check out Jamie Beck. Um, And not just her work, but her life, her candor. I mean, her words. She's also a phenomenal writer. And also it's the way she lives her life and her story and the bravery it took to build that life that feels like a real gift. For me, seeing somebody creating from her true core, her true essence, and being really successful doing it, like inside and outside success. Like she lives a comfortable, beautiful life that also feels good on the inside and is a happy life. That is a gift. And for me, it's proof that it's possible. Mm-hmm.